0: everyone this is designs freaks podcast already said that wrong Uh, welcome new podcast who dis (laughs) (laughs) Um, we are a show about graphic arts and artists throughout music history Um, please subscribe rate and review if you are enjoying it and i'm enjoying it already thank you brian let's introduce brian hi (laughs) so you may know him From the band The Suspicions, from Dancer and Prancer, Seattle's own rock and roll Christmas band, or from Echo Studios. Brian Standridge.
1: Hello. Ooh, I got a little echo on there.
0: Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, today we're going to talk about Barney Bubbles um one of the most beloved figures in graphic arts history i think period music or not music related or not um and i've been reading into it and there's a lot to discover uh there's almost too much you could almost do a whole podcast on barney bubbles so was his
1: actual last name bubbles
0: it was not, and we will get into that.
1: <laughs> I'm coming out hot with the important questions, hot. right?
0: Get to it. But I have some questions for you. Okay. First of all, are you intimidated by my superior recording space with motor oil smells? <laughs> um,
1: I'm a little jealous of the wood everywhere.
0: Oh, but your studio, so tell us about your studio.
1: So my studio is in West Seattle. Right off the bridge on Delridge, it's uh, it opened about a year and a half ago.
0: Yes, (laughs) cheers, cheers. (laughs) Just cheers yourself. I did. Yes.
1: It's uh, what was I saying? Opened a year and a half ago, and it's got some wood in it, but
0: it's really pretty. It's really yeah. It's 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 a a big live
1: room and then a big control room, Mm -hmm. which I kind of designed on purpose because I like bands hanging out together helping absolutely. each other out and it's been great absolutely yeah
0: what kind of uh, bands have been playing there i saw that um jan was in the studio yeah, recently we
1: had headband in they've been in a bunch lately they were recording their uh i said recording <laughs> recording their lp um, 12 songs it's been awesome it's cool. like i feel like uh in the year and a half that i've been working i've been building to recording their lp like everything's been leading to like all the equipment i've been having and techniques i've been learning it's been like all coming together for them so it's oh, been cool. rad yeah uh dance and prancer reported their lp there last dance it took prancer. us like a long time it turns out if you record in your own studio. Oh. You spend a lot of time on things that maybe you normally wouldn't do. That's
0: so funny. Yeah,
1: it was wild. Like, <laughs> Ian and Karen, they're the guitarists. They re-recorded their parts three
0: times, I think. If you can.
1: I, it's because we could. Yeah. I did my bass <laughs> parts two, three, two or three times. Yeah. And then I lost count of how many mixes I did, but it was probably... Oh, God, this is, like, embarrassing to say. Probably, <laughs> like, close to 50 mixes.
0: Whoa. Yeah. So this better be good. So tell it's, us, when does your album I mean, come
1: out? it's out. It came oh, out on out. the 23rd. Yeah, it's on okay, great. iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff.
0: And what do people search to find it?
1: Uh, <laughs> on Spotify, it's Dancer and Prancer, and the album's called From Us to You. Okay. And it's supposed to be that on iTunes. Right now, the band name is Dancer Prancer. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so close, but so far. Does it far, have an
0: ampersand that it wasn't registering? Or?
1: Somehow between our third-party publisher and iTunes, oh, the ampersand well, was lost.
0: We're not here to. Point we're fingers. not
1: going to cast blame on anybody, <laughs> but it wasn't me. They, they're fixing it, so it's under Dancer Prancer, Dancer Prancer now, and soon it will be Dancer and Prancer.
0: It's very close. Yeah, probably They'll like December
1: twenty-sixth. I'm hoping is when it gets fixed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in time for Easter, yeah, please iTunes.
1: And then in the new year, we'll have vinyl out too. That At is so point. exciting. At Some point we'll have vinyl.
0: And Dre Gordon designed the yes, album, she and she used good old fashioned paper cutting. She techniques. did, yeah. Love she it. Had little
1: reindeer cutouts and petals for the um, what's the flower? The red the Christmas flower, poinsettia? Poinsettia yeah. poinsettia.
0: poinsettia. yeah. Very poisonous to cats. Yeah, folks.
1: Yeah, I careful. learned that a long time ago at a job. Mm-hmm. and I had The a hard bo- way? Thankfully, no. Um, I learned about it, and I had this, like, super... Do you know what a super boss is? This might be a, a uh, term I, Karen I and guess. I up. So it's like your boss's boss, your super boss. Oh,
0: got it. Oh, I'm using that now. Yeah, it's Thanks. good.
1: <laughs> um, my super boss uh-huh. was... Like, this older woman, she was about to retire, so she kind of didn't care in meetings. Mm, and like, I love that. It was awesome. <laughs> at one point in a meeting, she was, like, drawing a picture, and I was like, what are you doing, April? And she was like, look at these little, little." she was thinking about cat teeth and drawing <gasps> pictures of cat teeth. She was like a vice president. From my own heart. It was amazing. <laughs> so she was a crazy cat lady, and it was right around then that I found out that cat. Uh, poinsettias were poisonous to cats. Oh, yeah. See, I'm, I had a point. I okay. <laughs> no, I can talk about little tiny cat yeah. teeth
0: all day. Um,
1: but she was, like, heartbroken because she loved cats and she loved poinsettias. Oh, no. And,
0: did, and they look like cat ears, kind of. Leaves.
1: They look probably delicious to Deli- cats. Yeah.
0: Another thing, I went a public service announcement time. Do I have a sound effect for this? Because beep, beep, th- beep, here's beep. something. Yeah, thank you.
1: I think that was Something that that people... was double Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> double...
0: <laughs> no, that was Video Daily Double. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
1: yeah, Daily Double.
0: Uh, people don't double know... Jeopardy
1: is totally different than Daily what Double. What is a
0: Daily Double, Alex?
1: Double Jeopardy is when you get charged for the same crime twice.
0: Yes, double but no, Daily is... Double. But the second round of Jeopardy that's worth more points is, it called is double Jeopardy? I think it is called Double Jeopardy. Yeah, I've, I've watched that sounds right. a lot of that. Okay, there There we
1: go. You're welcome. Poinsettias.
0: Jesus. Okay, lilies. Not Mm. only do they look like crap, they smell like crap, and they are cat killers.
1: And I'm allergic to them.
0: They're my eyes are allergic to them. They're ugly. Your yard looks like a '90s wedding. (laughs) There's no reason to ever have them. They stink. Brian's allergic they kill they they shut down cats kidneys even oh, just a little bit of that really powder bad. from the yeah so they will just completely my vet thinks that maybe what happened to puddles when she had a kidney issue
1: yeah she found some lilies in someone's
0: yard maybe but i went walked around the neighborhood there weren't any and she just kept asking me did you bring lilies in the house and i kept saying no yeah. she was convinced but the only way they can really tell is by autopsy so oh. Mm, we'll yeah. find out. No. Um, she pulled through, luckily. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. It was a little dicey. But she had kidney failure, pretty much. Um, and just so people know, I, I have, I almost want to put like a little passive aggressive note in people's garden.
1: Like a little, just, do just like a, a skull little fairy and crossbow. Sign. Yeah.
0: So speaking of Karen mm-hmm. in the band Dancer and Prancer, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to go back in time a little bit. And talk about what order the suspicions happened in. Did you all meet in the band, or? We, it
1: was, so Karen and I met in college Uh in San Francisco in 1995. Okay. We met in
0: the dorms. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did that, so you were just passing each other?
2: Uh, We were,
1: like, checking each other out from afar, and uh, one day I saw her in the elevator and I like sped up really quick and jumped in the elevator Aww. to be in there at the same time as her. <laughs> and I was like, hi, I'm Brian. <laughs> introduced myself and she had something in her eye and was like, what?
2: Uh, oh, hi. Hey. Oh, it's this guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. So it started like as a friendly friendship.
1: We, st- yeah, we started out as friends, but like we were checking each other out and then we started dating like maybe a month and a half right before Halloween.
0: And you all were both musicians. Did you know that about We were
1: I played a, that was like, we were like sophomores in college. So we were pretty young. Mm. We were mostly just in school at that point. I had played guitar for a few years before that, like in Mm -hmm. high school, cheesy Mm -hmm. grunge bands and that kind of stuff. Um, And then after we graduated college, we started playing music together in Oakland in a Mm -hmm. band called the knockups.
0: Knockups. Yeah.
1: With our friends Seth and Layla. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah. And
1: then, yeah, that was like 99. And then we moved to Seattle in 2000. Okay. And we were both wanting to join bands. And I was in a different band. I played bass for a while. And she was trying to get something going. She was playing with like Kimberly and some other people. Okay. And I'm pretty sure they were called the Suspicions at one point. So we did that. Or she did that. I was doing my other band. And then we both. Decided we wanted to play like this. We wanted to be in a band together, so mm-hmm. we started The Suspicions, and then we found Nick, and he was our drummer. And
0: how many albums, or did you all? We have... did
1: one LP and three singles.
0: I have one of your singles, the black and white stripes. Yeah, and
1: the... yeah, the stripy T-shirt. It's a it, photo. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. photocopy, and it's yeah, yeah. a sticker that's supposed to look like a button on the shirt. that yes. the concept that was Karen's design. Oh, I love one. it! Yeah,
0: wow. We we did that
1: and Mm -hmm. sorry. Oh, go ahead. um, Right, we did that and then we had Viv and Ruby, and Mm -hmm. it was getting kind of crazy to be in a band together and Mm -hmm. have kids and work and all that. So, um, right around the same time, then I started doing Dancer Prancer with Mm -hmm. Ian and Pete, and Dean was in the Dancer Prancer then.
0: Dean was in the band. Dean is now. Is he still in Berlin?
1: Yes. Okay. And then after Dean moved to Berlin a few years ago, that's when Karen joined Dancer and Prancer. So Now we get to play music together. Again. Awesome. It's awesome! Is yeah. it fun? It is, and it makes so like a, my big conflict with Dancer and Prancer was like it was so fun, and we were like a party band, and everybody yeah. loved coming to see us in December. But I was gone all the time, Ugh. and I was missing Karen and the girls during the holiday season when like the holidays you want is to be together with your family, family time, yeah. So then when she joined, it was like, awesome. And now the girls are older, so they get to come to a lot of the shows. That they, makes
0: the most sense.
1: Yeah, it's great. They came. <laughs> so we had our first show last weekend at Enchant oh, Safeco. Christmas. Yeah. <gasps> and Viv and Ruby got to come with us to oh Safeco. God. So the whole infield is an ice skating rink. <gasps> the outfield is a light maze. Just like, I don't even know how many lights. A ton of lights. Oh my and then they God. built a stage in center field in the concourse, and that's where the bands are playing.
0: Folks, Merry Christmas! Um, just so you know, it's happening. When is it happening again? It's
1: every day except Mondays. Until I'm going. Okay, yeah, every, every day we're but playing Monday. Like four Chant- more times
0: I in think. Seattle.
1: Enchanted okay. Christmas. Well, t- yeah, look at it at up State online
0: Coast. and see the days that Dancer and Prancer is playing. And there's also some Facebook events. Totally.
1: Yeah. Uh, so like we were playing at one point, and yeah. they turned us. We stopped and I leaned into the mic. Thank you, and I heard it in the whole stadium. We were playing in the whole PA of Safeco, and we were just like, "Whoa, crap!"
0: Did you pretend you were Bruce Springsteen for one second? I
1: I did this. uh, I'm gonna get away from this microphone now.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: That was a little scary. Terrifying. Yeah,
1: it was.
2: But it was still
0: bad. That's cool, though. Were the kids super impressed with their parents?
1: They were more excited that we were using the visitor's clubhouse and the dugout as our green room. And they're in there, and they're like, I bet this is like where all the famous baseball players go to the bathroom, too.
0: (laughs) Girls, no. I know.
2: (laughs) We're like, I guess,
1: yeah. Sure. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) I hadn't really thought of that. I like a bunch of shows, so it's festive. Our, yeah, we usually play like ten shows a year. We go. Merry Christmas! Yeah. I
0: should have told you to bring some jingle bells or something. Somebody stole our jingle bells. <gasps> no, it's a caper. Public service announcement. What did they look like? What's they look happening? like jingle bells. No, the people who took them.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I had them in the studio, Shoot. and I think somebody snagged them. They not. I. I'm gonna give somebody the benefit of the doubt. I'm okay, um, going through my records to there. see who played in the studio. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding.
0: Do I have a suspicion? Suspicious. Dun dun, dun. <laughs> Anywho, um, well, that's so exciting. Um, go see Dancer and Prancer. Get their record. Listen to them on Spotify and iTunes. Just in time for Christmas. It's mm-hmm. like, would you would you say rock and roll surf? Yeah. Sort of Um, like
1: surf rock. It's like The Ventures, Dick Dale, a little bit punk rock, a
2: little bit Sonics,
0: little Sonics
1: Christmas, yeah, like a party Christmas record. It's for like Christmas parties. It is so
0: perfect to put on at a Christmas party. And
1: if you like, if you want to go to a Christmas show and dance, yes,
0: to dance to a live band, not just um, Christmas music being played. Um, So, so we've gone through that. Oh, is there a website? (laughs)
1: For dancer and prancer, I know there is. I, it's something really funny, and I it's can't funny. remember. How it. Well, um, there's Facebook and okay. Instagram. None of us can remember our password to Instagram, so it hasn't been updated since last. Oh, Christmas. that is really funny. It's...
0: I bet it's jingle balls or something with <laughs> <laughs> Uh Okay, Wait. so. That
1: was the password. Was it? You cracked it. Did you? Did you break into our Instagram? That I explains. Broke into peace brain that the... explains all the pictures that have been posted. Of my cat. Yeah. Do you have our jingle bells too? <laughs> Clarita's the dancer and prancer, caper.
0: J.K. They're bandit. right here. Christmas bandit. <laughs> the Christmas bandit. That would be a good song. It would. Uh, with jingle bells in it, you could you could do a song about the jingle bell thief.
1: We're thinking maybe a video. Ooh. Like for Jingle Bells?
0: Yeah, with like the Hamburglar.
1: Yeah, somebody sneaking in and stealing Dancer and Prancer's Jingle Bells.
0: Ugh, how rude. I but mean, it could have a happy upsetting.
1: ending. We could have like, the big man can make an appearance at the end and give us new Jingle Bells, like under the tree.
0: <laughs> I guess so, like you hear the faint sound and then like, Yeah. Yeah. Aww. And then a little, oh,
1: oh, oh. <laughs> We wake up and everybody has jingle bells in our arms.
0: Now there's too many jingle bells. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? It turns into a horror show. Okay. <laughs> um, so, okay, so switching topics really mm. quick. You have um, one of the reasons you're here, and you don't have to be a designer to be on the show. Mm. Um, there's lots of podcasts where there's several designers talking about design. I kind of wanted to do a different formula where... There's maybe um, different types of creatives um, talking about design, how sort of making it more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I do like those podcasts, but I also like to talk to different creatives mm-hmm. and especially music people about um, album design, especially. Mm-hmm. But um, you have an interest in typography.
1: I do. Um, I like. I yeah. just like design in general. Okay. I think, cool. I think it's super important to know what your vision is mm-hmm. and part of that is telling your story visually and through your artwork and through your album designer through your website like i know when i was building the studio i had a really specific design in mind it was mm-hmm. mainly olympic studios 1968 yeah rolling stones Sympathy for the Devil, that vibe. That's the vibe I get. That's what I think about. That's what I was going for. I see that
0: panning camera over the, like, slowly panning camera. That
1: golden wood, orangey wood, and those weird, muted colors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the vibe I was going for for the design of the studio. Mm -hmm. And then it was difficult for me to translate that into a website. So, but I felt like it was really important. It was like the brand image.
0: Yep. What is your website?
1: It's mostly black and white but then I have really big pictures of okay. all this stuff. Okay, echo studios. Oh, echostudios.com and it's spelled you you wanted to know what the ECH. address was <laughs> and not what it looked like. <laughs> Describe your what website.
0: URL. <laughs> what? Yeah.
1: E uh, E C Wait, was it? It's e- spelled the regular echo studios. Way. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, yeah, but it's black and white. I'm going to look at it really. Quickly.
1: It's mostly black with white text and then big pictures of so you could get I wanted people to, when they looked at the pictures, they could get the vibe of what it would be like hanging out in the studio and, like, Mm -hmm. big close-ups of, like, all the crazy knobs of all the gear and that kind of stuff. I'm sure you have this conversation all the time, but, like, the old phrase, you can't judge a book by its cover, is totally bullshit.
0: (laughs) We we talked about that in our last episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, it may not have made it to the final cut, but me and Katie were joking about that phrase. Oh, yeah.
1: It's, all you do is judge books by its cover or music or albums by their cover. Right. And like, we're
0: going to talk about with Barney Bubbles. Malcolm mm-hmm. Garrett even says, you know, the designer for the Buzzcocks. He says mm-hmm. he like that, especially for the packaging of the album X in Search of Space. Mm-hmm. It actually affects the sound; like they would have sounded different.
1: Oh, completely! If especially on the old with a huge
0: yeah LP that fold out LP mm-hmm. that turns mm-hmm. into a hawk. Like, oh my god. Anyway, so Echostudios.com, book uh, some time there. Please. Have, yeah. Yes, please. Um, what about when bands are on tour and they come to Seattle? Could they...
1: Oh, totally. Do yeah. book just um, like a day or... Yeah, I did that with uh, Taiwan Housing Project. Hmm.
0: Um, so anyway, speaking of social media, mm-hmm. um, um, I am on Instagram and Twitter and all that. If you have questions or suggestions, uh, hit me up. The website is designfreakspodcast.com, and you can also email me from there. Um, you know how this works. Um, let's get into Barney Bubbles. Insert music here. Design, The uh, Oh No No's
2: oh, nice to get you
0: ready for nice. the main story. So They recorded to, with me. They did? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, do they have a new album coming out? Uh,
1: what We did like... Uh, I'm totally not talking to the mic, huh? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, I can't remember. We did like five or six songs. Oh,
0: cool. Like, yeah. Maybe okay. an EP.
2: EP. Yeah.
0: Um, that's so awesome. And that reminds me. I keep forgetting to say thank you Um. Uh, for everyone listening and wondering what the music is, the um, theme song for the podcast is called "Jet in Jungle" and it's by Damaged Bug. Um, it is John Dwyer's other band. He is the front man from The OCs, and he uh, was nice enough to let me use his song. And uh, the other music I'm using for to introduce the main topic is from the Ononos, and it's called "Surrender." And I believe it's about gentrification. But it's a good song. Seems likely. (laughs) Capitol Hill-based band. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting into Colin Fulcher was Mm -hmm. his name, Mm. a.k.a. Barney Mm. Bubbles. And I want to do a quick trigger warning here up top. Um, This subject is near and dear to my heart. I love Barney Bubbles. He's one of my design heroes. Probably the star that shines brightest in my design galaxy. But his story also is a little sad. He did suffer from depression and he died by suicide. So just a heads up for Mm -hmm. those listeners Mm -hmm. out there who need a heads up for that. Um, I'm going to be telling sort of an overview of Barney bubbles. And there's a lot to know. He had a really prolific career, even though he didn't live very long, but he did a lot in his short life. And the sources I'm kind of reading, I'm kind of going to be taking from are Reasons to Be Cheerful by Paul Gorman. Absolutely amazing book. Get this book. Yes, it costs money. How much did you pay for your dumb college books? You, you know, it's worth it. this book is like
1: our books are worth it always.
0: It art, but it's the kind of art book you're just not going to want to put down. It's great, especially if you're into graphic design. Um, I'm also taking from The Saga of Hawkwind by Carol Clerk. Mm. Um, thank you, Aubrey Naring, for lending me that book. And then also I'm going to be probably playing a couple audio clips from BBC In Search of Barney Bubbles by Mark Hodkinson. And this is an audio sort of um, recording that BBC put out. And I think it was like, I think it was a few years ago. And... The description is: He goes in search of the truth about one of the most influential and enigmatic graphic designers, Barney Bubbles, who changed the way record sleeves looked. Which I think it's a little bit more than that. So, first of all, getting into this book, I'll let you look at it. Okay. My hand Brian the reasons to be cheerful. <gasps> reasons to be cheerful is uh, first of all the name comes from an Ian Dury song title I love that song um, but the song is called reasons to be cheerful part three um, the designer who did the cover of that single was not Barney Bubbles mm. it was Robert I'm um, sorry it was Peter Blake um, and Peter Blake was Ian Dury's former teacher hmm. and he said <clears throat> he said Barney Bubbles was so good he could never have competed with him Um Paul Gorman does acknowledge that the title of the book is a reference to something that Bubbles didn't design. And then I also want to start with this quote from Barney Bubbles. Uh, All it is is rock and roll and it's no big shakes. But at the same time, I think commercial design is the highest art form. Like that. that was from his famous or infamous interview with The Face in 1981, which was just a couple years before his death. Um, so let's go back to the beginning.
2: <laughs>
0: You'll know it's time to turn the page. <laughs> uh, so 1942, it's... Uh, <clears throat> what day, day was he born? I, oh, I forgot to... Oh, July. I don't know his birthday. Um, So he was born in Witten, Middlesex, which is now part of London. He was born. He was actually delivered during an air raid and he soon fell victim to whooping cough. Mm. There was an epidemic happening and the lasting effect of that was his growth was restricted. So he was a little bit shrimpy. Hmm. He was kind of a smaller dude definitely not going to be an athlete. Mm. Um, he was ill and thin and, um, his sister Jill sort of talks about how he was sort of sickly when they were kids. Um, their father was a precision engineer supplying dyes and tools for manufacturers. Hmm. Kind of a weird, Mm -hmm. not quite sure what that is, but, um, he was really into photography and cameras though. Fred Fulcher, Mm -hmm. um, and so during World War II, he was specializing in cameras and sort of suggested that Barney get into using this Minolta 35 millimeter. And that's how, and this is what the artist, this is, I'm sorry, this is what the author wrote. Uh, that's when he developed an interest in photography. I'm like, really? <laughs> Paul Gorman? <laughs> Uh, I wonder if that was intentional. Okay, so Fred was meticulous and detailed. Um, He was that way, so people speculate in retrospect if that's how Barney became so detail-oriented. It Um,
1: seems, I mean maybe people realize this maybe they don't but being an artist or a musician or a designer mm-hmm. there's so much meticulousness to that work mm-hmm. and so much science to your work so
0: it i could it makes sense especially with designers back then mm-hmm. not like me now I could just be like almost brain dead and just click, mashing click. my hands on the keyboard Hardly. no <laughs> there's no. something would come out right <laughs> but yeah back then i mean you had to but, have good eyes you had to really yeah and really it was working care with their hands
1: a lot, <laughs> right? Manipulating everything and exactly precision so engineering.
0: It was it was very engineer like, right? And um, his sister goes on to say he was very clever, very brilliant. Um, he was likable, generous, trusting, and he could, but he could be really secretive. Hmm. Now there's a lot of parts of Barney. That are contradictory. He's easygoing, but he could snap sometimes mm-hmm. and really stick up for himself and kind of go over the top. Mm. And I feel like I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is like one way, mm-hmm. for you sure. know, I can even get completely taken advantage of and then all of a sudden freak out. <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, of a sudden, you're, sudden like, you're like, oh more, please." yeah, no, your boyfriend can't live here for free. <laughs> Wait a minute! Yeah, get out. (laughs) Not working. (laughs) You know, but like for so long, you're just like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and Mm -hmm. maybe he was really into peace and love. Mm -hmm. And um, but there's be
1: cool, but then at a certain point, it's not cool.
0: At a certain point, give me my money because there's a certain point where he goes into the United Artists office Mm. and takes a knife out and stabs the desk of one of the executives and was like. Give me my fucking money! Wow, because <laughs> he wasn't getting paid for his yeah. artwork because he wasn't a good businessman. Uh and we'll get back into that because yeah, it's hard to
1: people will be both and take people, advantage of that.
0: Yeah, and he probably just didn't want to mess with the business side of it. <laughs> um, his sister also said that he didn't really want recognition, but then he did kind of want. He wanted credit, Mm -hmm. but he didn't. He didn't sign a lot of his work. He was very contradictory. Um, He became, oh, he started building scale models. He started getting into architecture books and thinking about space and spatial relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, He made a scale model of an ancient Egyptian temple. And uh, he had a lifelong fascination with Egyptology Hmm. with its codes and symbols Mm -hmm. and you can see a lot of those codes and symbols in his work especially the page that has the bookmark there and we'll talk Mm. about that more in a little bit but it's sort of like a weird board game type of thing where he just put every symbol known to man Speaking of art, so he went to Islesworth Grammar School and then went to Twickenham College of Technology. So I thought it was Twickenham Art College, but maybe not. So that's the same college from episode three of this podcast mm. where Penny Smith went to school, mm. too.
1: How old are they when they start art college in England? Is uh, it like art college or is it younger?
0: Do you know? I'm not sure. Talk. Uh, like uh, write an email. What, when Dear do you England. University, <laughs> dear Mister Echo. <laughs> oh, we forgot to talk about your Halloween costumes. Oh yeah. Oh jeez. Um, maybe That's later. Can we can work, work it in later. Okay, we'll work yeah. it in
1: later. Um, because it's like they have the tracks. I don't know if they still do. They like I always read books about like 60s producers and musicians and stuff from England. Yeah. And they all talk about like, at a certain point, they were either going to go to art school or. Different colleges, but it always seems like they're pretty young when they get stuck on this path.
0: Oh, I thought it was just uni, like it was like our like university, 17, like 18. college. Yeah, okay, but maybe I'm not sure how they're K through it's like twelve o levels, works.
1: levels, and like you have to pass certain tests to keep moving on to
0: to join the military for a minute. You're yeah,
1: I don't. You have to be long. I don't know. Yeah,
0: somebody write to me. I'm too lazy to Google it. Let's okay. say
1: seventeen. <laughs>
0: He was 17, 17 years old. 17 sounds good. He was young. I mean. Um, what year was
1: it when he went to art school? This
0: was. Geez. Well, oh, geez. We could work backwards. I'm sure we know any... it, I will come upon it. I think it was the early. It was like 1960.
1: Oh, pretty early, early. 60s. Yeah. Born in 43.
0: Yeah. There in we go. 43. 17. 17. Math. Maths. Ah. Maths. <laughs> <laughs> Something like you're like, no, just figure it out. <laughs> I don't know ish <laughs> um so back at the art college, uh his work was so unusual the teachers didn't know what direction to encourage him to go into hmm. so and the dad and the teachers encouraged him to go into window dressing, so that was um like department stores department store window dressing hmm. um but he also uh he had a multidisciplinary education that included training in cardboard design. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Display and packaging. Mm-hmm. All of these great for mm-hmm. record uh, it's like design. Everything
1: was leading
2: to that. Everything was leading it. him.
0: And he, it expanded his mind doing the window dressing because it gave him that sense of spatial relationship. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't just an album designer, but we'll get into that. He did a lot of stuff. Um, That's
1: rad. Because if you think of a window, it's totally just like an LP. It's just kind like of a like little a little square unfold,
0: or an unfolded gatefold. Like yeah. you could make oh, a yeah, whole totally. little diorama out of that. Yeah, it's a big diorama. It goes on and on about what his classmates think. Please get this book. There's so much information. There's no way I could like go over it all. So July twelfth, nineteen sixty-three, the Rolling Stones were booked to play the end of the uh, the end of the year Twickenham Design College dance. And Barney designed the poster for it. Mm. And I think that was one of the first posters he ever designed for a band. And it's one of the rarest items in um, Rolling Stones history. Um, You knew who
1: else was born during a bombing raid?
0: Who? Keith. Oh, really?
1: Jumpin' Jack Flash.
0: That's what it's about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but he also designed the much admired poster for the band Mule Skinners, and that was Ian McLoggin's first band. He was in the mm, Small Faces, yeah, uh, yeah. And then they turned into the, the Faces, faces yeah. with Rod in the seventies. Well, I I don't know them that well. I only know that one song where he says, "Your name is Rita."
1: Oh, stay with me. <laughs> yeah, stay with yeah. me. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> perfume, perfume,
1: smelling sweeter,
0: smelling sweeter. <laughs> Did it work? Nope.
2: Perfect. That's crazy.
0: Whoa, wait, was that an octave? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's
2: this. Hi, I'm Rod Stewart.
0: <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> Let's see. I'll, let me pull up that poster so you can look at it. It's it's pretty simple. Um, it's a photo of a guy And his t-shirt has the information on it
1: Oh, I like that Oh, that's red. Yeah, super
0: cool Yeah So the band was called Them But it's not the band it's that not the no, It's not Van Morrison then. No, it's not Van Morrison It was a different, smaller band um, And then the other
1: Mule Skinners
0: Band was Oh, I think Are there only two? Knockout? Was that a... the venue? Know. Maybe that was the yeah, venue Yeah, maybe Anyway, cool. That
1: is red, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love how it's all on the t-shirt, but then there's the person still on there, too.
0: All of his work looks like <laughs> something <laughs> that you would see, you would be like, oh, that's great right now. Yeah. It's still great. Like, almost every single thing, except for some of the stuff in the 80s. It's, meh. A little late 70s, early 80s. That,
1: the um, poster that you just pulled up, it reminds me of the Stooges, almost. Like, it looks like the Mule Skinners with the yeah. t-shirt. It looks yeah. like it's... It's probably... What's that from? 63? Uh, it's 62, 1963.
0: 63? Yes. He had a bunch of jobs at first. He After he did that poster, he kind of got noticed. hmm And uh, he started working as a layout artist at Haymarket Publications. Hmm. They published Town Magazine. Um, that's when he... Got uh, to work with Tom Wolsey, who's like a pretty famous uh, art director from the mm-hmm. '60s. And uh, here's his friend Will's talking about how, how how hard Barney worked and his work ethic. Even when his arm is in a sling from holiday cycling accident in Ireland, he had to cut and paste the still wet ink proofs and you, and use sticky tape to keep the type lined up and in place. We had to rely on steady vision at all times. I was reminded of that when I watched him stick every single tiny letter set letter on the checkerboard cover of Elvis Costello's debut album in 1977. Mm. So he did just did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. He did everything. Our wow. world is made of Barney Bubbles. Yeah. designs. <laughs> Who knew <laughs> it's everywhere? Yeah. Um, so back rad. it's really rad. I don't want to jump ahead to part two, but he did everything for Elvis Costello up until uh, 83, I think. Oh, that's awesome. So in 65, he moved in with Wills, his classmate and some other people in a mansion block flat in the inner London neighborhood of West Kensington. So here's Barney. This Mm -hmm. is, this is how eccentric he was. They, they all, they move into this like six room flat. And he suggested they all sleep in the same room <laughs> so that they can use the other rooms for fun. <laughs> so basically, that he's like, sense, "Why are but... we putting a bed in every room? That's wasting space." Yeah. Um, he felt like they could be more creative if they used space better. Yeah. Um, he didn't like beds. He used a he slept in a sleeping bag that he hung on the wall during the day, and just so he could have do his art and like spread out Safe all space. this stuff um later on he used a scaffolding to make a platform and to put his mattress close to the ceiling so he could get it out of the way mm-hmm. goes on and on about his classmates roy burge was um one of his mates that was they were sort of like this click that was really tight and they kind of did all these different creative projects together he had nicknames for everybody
1: did you ever live with a ton of people like that
0: not a ton of people. I think the most was two other people. okay. Yeah.
1: I had a flat in San Francisco right before I moved here. Yeah. It was called the Prince House because we had a Prince poster in the door. Oh. Like 24th and Valencia. They always
0: have a name. Always have yeah. a name. Yeah.
1: I think it was like a five or six bedroom. Can we each had imma- our own rooms.
0: Can you imagine living, sleeping in the that's, same That's where I was
1: going. But or also it's such a thing in your like early 20s. Yeah. Could you imagine doing that now? Oh, God. That'd be insane.
0: No. Never. I can barely live with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, just a, everything was for art, though. That That's like, awesome. Like every second of every waking moment was just for art. Um, So the first, so he starts working. Mm. He has this job working for a really kind of designer, Michael Tucker and Associates in London. And he described it as very Swiss, very hard, unjustified, mm. very gray. He taught me everything about typography, mm. so he learned a lot. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't his style, you know. I it mean, was
1: his learning the rules to break the rules. Phase exactly, a bit. you have to learn. Yeah,
0: that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to learn. You got to break the grid, mm-hmm. but you know there needs to be a grid. Um, between 1965 and 1966. He organized these crazy parties, happenings, Mm -hmm. I'm making air quotes, um, (laughs) under the name A1 Good Guys with a Z, Mm -hmm. and that became kind of his little art collective. Um, He started it with two of his Twickenham Art College buddies, Dave Wills and Roy Burge. And then in May 65, he was recruited by the Conran Group as senior graphic designer um, alongside some pretty... Um, now famous English designers, um, hmm. Terence Conran. So, the Terence Conran was knighted in nineteen eighty three, the same year that Barney Bubbles died. Mm. He was appointed member of the Order of Companions of Honor, whatever, uh, <laughs> uh, for services to design. Companions so, Companions of Honor, yeah, sort hmm. of sketch, um,
1: like a really good friend.
0: <laughs> Companions of Honors <laughs> in May sixty five.
1: Uh, So many knights are mad at us right now listening to this podcast. (laughs) How dare they? I'm a member. I have a sword. I'm a sir.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when he worked for Conran, he designed the archer uh, little icon for the Strongbow Cider. Oh, yeah. You ever had Strongbow Cider? Yeah, totally. That was Barney Bubbles. (laughs) Of course it was. He's everywhere. Yeah. so he did that cider label it and it the original very slightly modified was used for many many years like it wasn't until kind of recently that they redid the archer but it's still an archer (laughs) um and then he also created um for habitat which was um the conran group um he created a, a board game that and this is kind of bonkers It was like a fake 20s mystery murder-solving or mystery-solving game using illustrated cards, and yeah, it's just kind of nuts. I can't really...
1: A little bit like Clue.
0: It was kind of like Clue. But with art. Yeah, it was like a more visual form of Clue, Um, and then...
1: When did Clue come out? The Clue copy Barney's game? (laughs) Damn it. He never case. got paid for anything. We got another case on our hands here.
0: Uh, can someone pay this guy? <laughs> um, he was really sweet, but he could get upset if things were not as precise as he liked. He didn't like mm, excuses. Perfectionist. Perfectionist. But then he was also a total weirdo. And I, the name of the podcast is Design Freaks. Mm-hmm. I use the term freaks lovingly. Mm. Um, but he would sometimes play air guitar with rulers and his T-squares... And also had a band called The Erections, and they would play air guitar.
2: Oh, wow. As
0: like a, a flash mob or whatever. <laughs> like, a,
1: like an art thing. Yeah, out in public. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Um, they were really
1: freaking people out. Baby. They were, they
0: were what, <laughs> blowing people's blowing minds. Blowing people's minds. Whoa. Oh
1: man. It's a happening.
0: They were happening. Um, according to the book, The Saga of Hawkwind, um he uh was interested in performance art, not just 2D and 3D work. So this is all leading to Hawkwind. Just okay. so you know, this is all yeah, getting yeah. somewhere. <laughs> he once performed with an air guitar band called The Erections in front of a bank of static TVs.
1: Did he invent air guitar?
0: I think he did. I th- <laughs> we we should do a money uh, sound every time he should have been paid for something. every time he
1: invented something
0: <laughs> he invented something that he needs um, well I just have the magic
1: it works That was like magic sound is kind of like when you check your bank account at midnight when you're oh. out and you got paid
0: yes. <laughs> that's me this Friday <laughs> <laughs> I know wait a minute
1: we can't leave yet I haven't gotten paid <laughs> I can't pay my bill until midnight. We and have then, to have another round. And then, yeah.
0: woo, let's go get hot dogs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, let's go get high. <laughs> uh, that works. Uh, so um, so he bought a bunch of projectors. So he wanted to start doing weirder and weirder stuff. So he bought a bunch of projectors. And um, he started creating the bubble effect by mixing... Um, like food coloring with oil, and then sandwiching it between two kind of glass slides. He invented it.
1: Are you... Can we
0: do the... (laughs) 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 Cha-ching! Oh my god.
1: There you go.
0: Hello, (laughs) Barney invented it. Are you serious? Hi, Barney invented
1: that too. He invented gel art for... Rock and roll I'm shows? not
0: sure if he was the first one, but he was the first he one to pro- to project it. Because they did also, it in San Francisco, too, that's right? That's him. He went to San Francisco. Oh, my God. What? He went to San Fillmore? Francisco. And when Pink Floyd played at the Fillmore, he did his projection, and it blew everyone's minds because no one had done anything that cool. That
1: is rad. And
0: he then went back to London because he got depressed. So... You're welcome, San Francisco. <laughs> You're welcome, America. Every
1: psych band ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's when he started to do that. And then when the, the lights heated the mixture, um, he it created the bubble effect, yeah. and that's eventually how he got his name, Barney Bubbles. Ah, um, but he also had other nicknames Well But it's cooler first, than
1: Fulcher, too.
0: His first nickname was Maximilian. And then it was like... Where'd Barney come from? Barn Buckle or something. Uh, it came from... The other barn buckle name, oh, I can't okay. remember, but he barn shortened it bubbles. to Barney.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have um, you been to a show with the the gel light? Yeah, Aubrey's done it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. And he's done it at parties. Yeah, which it's, is I think even better because it's a smaller space, yeah, so you can like light like, up a uh, whole room.
1: It's you're like in it, right in it more. Exactly. It's. It's a little overdone at this point, but it's still pretty rad. It's never not cool. It's still cool.
0: Yeah, it doesn't ever look bad. I mean, I I don't mind it. It doesn't matter how many times you do it. Um, so, first people in San Francisco, the clubs didn't like it.
1: It's kind of a fire hazard?
0: Well, no, they just were like, what is this? Just... Uh, and then um, they didn't think it was necessary, but... The people liked it, and so then pretty soon they were spending every Saturday night projecting at psychedelic clubs such as the UFO and Middle Earth.
2: Uh
0: huh. Um, then they got a Super Eight camera, oh. so then they started projecting that footage, mixing and in the footage, bubble. mixing that over the bubbles.
2: Ooh, yeah. Um,
0: using movie classics with Lon Chaney, mixing those in, creating multimedia visuals. And then by the second second week, the projections were called the Barney Bubbles Light Show. Wow! Even though by the was, second week, yeah, so people were already so they
1: like, they kind of, people liked it. This a is the bit. best thing we've people ever seen. People Kind of liked it.
0: They liked it. Um, it's, he's
1: it's Mr. Serendipity so far.
0: It's insane. Everything
1: he touches go, turns to gold. Pretty much. His second poster got him hired at a job.
0: It's kind of – it's one of those frustrating stories where you're like, really? You brought your tape to Rodney on the Rock and then he played it on the radio yeah. two seconds later? Yeah. What? It's one of those things. Yeah.
2: Like,
0: like the Johnny Cash movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or the Dewey <laughs> or Cox. story. Have Did... you seen the Duke Cox yes. card? <laughs> yes, 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 I always Is it get kind the... of making fun of I always forget that? which one's
1: which. Like, they're, they're basically the same story.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he kind of – but he was also so good at everything. He was setting the standard on so yeah. many things, like especially with album design. Mm-hmm. He was the best at the time, so people had to keep up with him. Hmm. He did get every job. He, I mean, people wanted to work with him. I'm gonna keep going in order though, real quick. So he, there's a strong contrast between his work and recreational life, though. So his okay. his recreational life is bonkers, where he's doing all this crazy creative stuff. But then so
1: he's doing more, so he's doing this professional stuff. He's but still uber freelancing. creative and groundbreaking, but he's doing stuff for fun on the side. He's doing
0: stuff for fun on the side, hmm. and he's still, still freelancing for you know and working, doing regular graphic design. Um, so that's a big contrast. Um, hmm. He worked for uh, Oz Magazine, and um, the editor Richard, or the founder. Oh, at a Richard Neville.
1: I, I was backwards. I get it. Graphic design in the day. Bubble show at night. Bubbles. Yeah. But bubbles were his side, <laughs> side job for fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, no, um, no. I got it. So one of the things he did was he wanted to bring his freakier style into the the workplace. So he mm. offers to do extra for free. So he's he's working for um, Oz Magazine, and they he o- um, he offered to conceive a design and deliver four poster sections for the magazine for the next issue for free. Um, and the guy, Richard Neville, this is an interview, um, says yes. And it was published, but something happened. Um, not all four of them got published, but this is the um, thing that I bookmark in there um, based on the f- four Buddhist... Or the three Buddhist precepts? Yes. That one was existence is unhappiness. So um, the Buddhist precepts are one, existence is unhappiness. Two, happiness is caused by desire or craving. Three, desire can be destroyed. So that's the whole thing. Is, uh, and also they, they say clinging instead of desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these are some of my favorite designs by him. Because it's very Carl Jung, the way, like, Man and His Symbols, where you're just taking every single symbol that's in your head and just kind of, like, examining it. Like, board games. I, that's religion. what I thought.
1: Board game was the first thing that popped in my head when I saw this.
0: But it, the board game is the first thing, so what does that say about the totality of his statement about life? hmm You know? Game. Yeah, and um, astrology stuff, mm-hmm. Eastern religions, uh, codes, stuff from, you know.
1: like looks like old medicine bottles. Uh-huh. Little cherubs.
0: Look, um, this, hopefully I'll have this up on our Instagram, but it's hard to post because it's so big.
1: This is like little details, too, that would get There's lost. tiny it's, details. Yeah. So look. How up big this. was this? In...
0: It was a fold-out, so um, I think it was just like a, a, a two-page fold-out. fold-out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was one on that. So that was one, there was one on the other side and then one more that I think they ended up putting an ad Mm. on the other side. So there only ended up being three. Mm. Um, so very cool. It's yeah. So just look up Barney bubbles. Existence is unhappiness. Um, beautifully realized geometric puzzle, uh, Laurel and Hardy, Elvis, Chuck Berry, uh, Tons of weird pop culture Mm -hmm. references. Charlie Um, Chaplin. Yep.
1: John Wayne, maybe? Cowboy.
0: Pretty much everything. Um, And so in 1969, he took the lease. I bet
1: Sergeant Peppers. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. I bet Sergeant Peppers.
0: Yep. mm -hmm. That reminds me of, because when did that come out?
1: 67.
0: Yeah. So, in early 1969, um, he took a lease on a three-story building at 307 Portobello Road in Notting Hill Gate. Is that driving you crazy? Uh Okay. Um, In West London, he converted the ground floor space into a graphic art studio, which he named Teen Burger (laughs) Designs. So, the name Teen (laughs) Burger was sort of like an FU, like a middle finger to what was commercially viable at the time he was kind of like making fun of the industry a little Mm. bit that's what i read Mm. i don't know i've also read contradictory things Mm. um so that was at portobello it became like this huge hangout studio Mm -hmm. members of hawkwind would hang out and that's where he met nick turner i think or the friends magazine office i can't remember which one like i just want to make some sort of a map so that I can wrap my head around his life. Um, maybe I will. Maybe I'll design it. Um,
1: so that would look really good on Instagram, too. <laughs> Just
0: it could be a the cover photo thing. of
1: this <laughs> episode.
0: And then I'll make fabric and make a dress. <laughs> uh, so, members of Hawkwind would hang out there. So, Lemmy
1: was that old?
0: Yeah. So, there's kind of a crazy family tree of stuff that happens with Friends Magazine, the Portobello Space, and, um, Teen Burger. So, a lot of people sort of meet each other, but it's this group of people. So, it's Nick Turner from Hawkwind Mm -hmm. and Barney and a few other core people. Um, Friends Magazine is where Barney worked with, um... Penny Smith, from the last episode, Mm -hmm. who was the photographer for The Clash. And um, they collaborated on some stuff. There were a lot of great photographers, both at Friends Magazine and NME, which, is everything okay? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to adjust it and not make noise. Oh, you can make
0: noise. It's fine. So, yeah, so there were a bunch of photographers, writers an artist and one of the writers was Bob Calvert who ended up joining Hawkwind. He was like so good at writing song lyrics that, um, he ended up becoming a vocalist, but something that Calvert and, um, Barney bubbles had in common, they both had really bad depression. Mm. Um, but they were sort of like soulmates Mm. and Barney and Nick were sort of like soulmates too. Nick Turner. Um, a lot of people, when I listen to interviews, um, I, a lot of people consider him their soulmate. A lot of people connected that deeply with him. Wow. He was just that kind of person that was like magical. Yeah. And they, this one woman, his, um, assistant cried in the interview and said she missed him desperately. And it's been 30 years. Wow. In the interview like, it's that kind of impact. Um, I want to play a little bit of this audio that I have. 726, Nick Turner talks about sleeping in Barney's cupboard.
2: (laughs) I met Barney, I told him about the band, and I invited him to come to a gig. Um, And then I told him I didn't have anywhere to live, and he said, oh, you can come and sleep on my floor, (laughs) which I did. And I ended up sleeping in his cupboard for some time. You know, that was very nice.
0: And Barney thought the, um, the whole thing was wonderful. Then he's, you know, became involved with um, design for the band, you know, through me, I guess. I asked him if he'd design a poster for us. He's still at Teen Burger and he is working on Friends as well. And it's, or actually, no, I think Friends disbanded because his business partners disappeared. I can't find a clear story. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, it
1: was, they both like ghosted him.
0: Weird. Yeah. They invented ghosting. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, so so then Team Burger comes along and he designs a record sleeve for Dr. Z called Three Parts to My Soul. It's pretty, it's not my favorite, hmm. but he does use the intricate sleeve design and fold-out and all that. Um, co- noted for its complex and colorful fold-out sleeve. Then at Friends, he gained the reputation of becoming a genius and setting new standards. Mm. Um, and then from from Friends, he took two writers from the magazine and a lighting psychedelic lighting designer named Jonathan Smeaton, who became Liquid Len. Mm. That became his name. They would eventually all team up with and join Hawkwind.
1: So Barney was an official member of So Hawkwind, Barney was a, a member way. of
0: Hawkwind because not only did he design for them visually, but he also choreographed hmm. things. He um, would paint all of their instruments and their cabinets. Mike Heath says there's a community-based mentality. It wasn't about individuals. Barney used all sorts of methods to generate imagery using oil and food coloring. We talked about that. But mm-hmm. um, also, some people say he got his name from Jerry Garcia, that Jerry Garcia named him that. He he was very conceptual. He was really into sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And so another reason he became, like, a part of the group was he did the light shows for them, so he traveled with them.
2: Mm. But mm, That makes sense. You know, but yeah. he
0: also was into, like positioning members of the band on the stage to align astrologically in certain ways um so he was sort of a guru type of figure yeah um here's where he moves to san francisco um and he actually got to meet stanley mouse when he went the poster psychedelic poster mm-hmm. designer and Jerry Garcia, Janice Joplin, a bunch of people, it mm-hmm. was a whirlwind, but it was so much that I think it kind of plunged him into darkness because he was so sensitive mm. that he got overwhelmed by America hmm. while he was there. Um, his trip was an awakening. Um, people say it was sort of a reinforcement for all of his ideas. Um, it was an inspiration and, um, it did kind of unsettle and overwhelm him. Um, re- he he did have to come back to London though. Yeah, um,
1: I wonder so- if it was one of those things, you know, like when you're really stoked about everything you're doing. Yeah, and then you go somewhere and people are doing really awesome stuff too, mm-hmm. and then it's like you're super excited about it, but it also kind of makes you bummed out. It's in a almost weird way. too much of yeah. a good thing. Like clumping
0: yeah. yourself right into Hate Ashbury. It's yeah,
1: just like. When you were already super visual and you're like, no,
0: I want to be the one weird guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, whoa. I bet he just, I bet it was just like too much.
2: Yeah. But it seems like for a lot of people. (laughs) I know. God, no
0: kidding. It sounds like he was very well, uh, How do I want to say? Received. Mm. Well, received, Mm. (laughs) uh, that they really liked him. Yeah. Um, the accent helps, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh So he returned to the friend's office and then started to work at Portobello Road as a freelancer again. Okay, so that's what happened when he came back from San Francisco. But here's where it gets into the Hawkwind stuff. So he's really starting to work with Robert Calvert. Um and they're kind of like more and more becoming a part of Hawkwind and he's interested in fantasy illustration and uh, he kind of wants to go whole hog and he wants to create a whole visual identity for Hawkwind and this goes beyond record sleeves like I said Mm -hmm. Um, he wanted to do like a blend of sort of gothic sci-fi but hippie Mm -hmm. imagery Mm -hmm. and that so perfectly suited their music. Yeah. I mean, they're space rock. Yeah. Like, totally. How would you describe Hawkwind? I mean,
1: space rock? Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: and it's kind of like one time. It's a little I, heavy, too. It's heavy. It's almost metal. Yeah. Uh, it's
1: borderline.
0: I mean, I, I recommend listening to any song on the X in Search of Space album on your bike writing as fast as you can down a hill, <laughs> especially the song born to go. I mean, ugh, everything was so perfect. So he began to design everything from the logo, the letterheads. Hmm. Hawkwind had letterhead. I don't know. Letterhead. Maybe it meant like drum heads because he did design drum heads, um, stickers, transfers, record sleeves, posters. And then he worked with photographer, Phil Franks, um, who was Hawkwind's photographer. So they worked closely together from Paul Gorman's author's notes and reasons to be cheerful. At the time he was interested in Hawkwind uh, because their music was trance like, but it also was accompanied by this visual arsenal, like extending from elaborately uh, designed packaging you know, stickers, posters, badges, all that stuff. It was just so much... I don't know if, if a band had been so well sort of defined visually before.
1: Yeah, it's definitely... Some I think like some pop bands have kind of scratched that surface, but not gone that deep.
0: Right. It was really deep. Um, you know, and there are like the OMD thing from the Peter Seville episode... I think Peter Seville really nailed it and mm-hmm. then they kind of took it from there mm-hmm. and translated it into videos, music mm-hmm. videos. Totally. Because everything was same like that same feeling, the yeah. same vibe. Yeah. Um, I think there's bands still doing it. I see the band um, The Soft Moon. Oh yeah. He does a really good job of even on because now we have social media too, so it's not just print mm-hmm. and
1: that's what I was thinking about. This idea of Hawkwind, though, it's like a lot of bands do that now, mm-hmm. but nobody was thinking of it like that back then. No. They would just think of maybe the the LP cover. Yeah. And then maybe they'd have a special outfit for the stage.
0: Pairing it with the logo so they could translate it to t-shirts yeah. and merch and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but
1: not like a full production like this. Right. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Dave Anderson from Hawkins says Barney Bubbles painted his equipment and he says it was the most beautiful of the of the whole lot. He says the top of his cabinet had an eagle flapping its wings and out of the wings came flames which dropped onto the bottom cabinet where the flames landed and there was a pond with lots of lotus blossoms and ripples going oh, out over that's the water. Awesome. Like, <laughs>
1: Just... I love it. I love it when bands go all in like this. Or anybody goes all in. Except Kiss. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, no. <laughs> <I'm> kidding. Yeah. <laughs> they were No,
0: that's Kiss is a good show. Like yeah. at least they tried. They
1: knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But It's
0: a good show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, projections, painting. Yeah. What they wore, how they stood, where they stood on stage. Um,
1: meticulous. Meticulous. Precision engineering.
0: Exactly. Uh, but that's
1: it. Like, good art takes that. Good design, good shows. all. It takes that meticulous vision and yeah. somebody paying attention to that.
0: I think I'm going to feel like a beginner designer probably for the rest of my life. And I don't mind that's because okay, it's such a – it's my favorite thing ever and I'm so lucky I get to finally do but it. You're
1: not – you. your work doesn't look like a, I mean
0: – Well – Compared to the things I'm looking at. I feel <laughs> like that. I feel like that playing music.
1: Like, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like that recording bands. Too. And you have
0: to have reverence for the masters because they they've worked as hard as you for a lot. Longer. Like, I feel like I'm sort of catching up, but it's cool because it's fun. I'm excited about getting better. I
1: feel like it's OK to feel like that. Yeah, because you're not complacent. You're no. not, you know, you don't have an attitude like you know everything and you can do anything. You're still learning and trying and growing.
0: Yeah. And it's something to look forward to. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, it's a great reason to live. And it's just so sad. Another sad thing about Barney was, you know, later in his career when he just didn't feel like he was as good because of all the young designers coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm. he didn't want to go out, he didn't want to, Fade away,
1: and he was thirty-eight. God, it's 39, so ridiculous. Close to Forty.
0: So, but what he that didn't understand—it was his own pressure he put on himself. Yeah. But what he didn't understand was, he was about to influence people forever. Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Garrett, the Buzzcocks uh, designer, says, like, everything after I. Saw Barney Bubbles work; every all my designs changed for the better. Yeah, like he has influenced so many people, and he had he just didn't realize how important he was. The way that Barney Bubbles worked with Hawkwind influenced the way he wanted to create, like a whole unified picture for the Buzzcocks, not just an album. Mm -hmm. He that's he was aspiring to do that Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. What Barney did for. Um, Hawkwind. So here's where X in Search of Space comes out. So they're touring. Barney's doing the light show. Now they've got this band, and it kind of cements their image in. It marks their image. It was their second album, but it was their big breakthrough. And they describe it as a statement of intent.
1: I'm pretty so... sure it was recorded at Olympic Studios. <gasps> really? I think so. I think I saw that in one of the things I looked up.
0: So I have it. I have the cover here just so we can look at the front and then it unfolded and the whole unfolded part. Yeah, you have it right have there. It right, yeah. Anyway, when so he it showed unfolds, that. It
1: almost looks like a, almost like an eagle. Or, uh, it's a hawk. Or wait. Yeah. <laughs> 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 wait, Some could sort it of a be, bird. Could it
0: be a hawk? It's a thunderbird. <laughs> um, so, but it, yeah. So the manager, Doug Smith, who managed Hawkwind said, when he saw that design, when Barney was like, okay, so this is my design. When he brought it in, everyone was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, what Whoa. did you do? And he's like, oh, I went to cardboard school. <laughs> nice to meet you. Here's my amazing design. Um, so, yeah, it folds out once to show the How does the it unfold? Photos. So the front kind of locks in place. Okay. You know how, like. Like packaging, like how oh, you would close yeah. a cracker box or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like the top of your it has a cracker tab. Box. Okay, yeah. So the 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 design looks cool, but then it also is functional in that it closes itself when you open it. The first unfold shows band members, right? So that okay, so, yeah, yeah. So the five, six band members, six band members.
1: Looks like some, maybe some lyrics.
0: Yeah um Some is stars. that the song titles or uh, possibly and then you unfold again so the tail of the hawk is folded up at this point oh i with see with color photos on the underside of the hawk's tail when you unfold it everything's black and white oh i see yeah and yeah and the bird is completed so this is this was is... underneath yeah that was underneath so the same lyrics right are on
1: the sides and then there's the flap down yeah gotcha. it's the same
0: yeah okay that's the same yeah So the wings have the same lyrics that you see from the first unfold. Then you, I mean, and then this shape that that closes to that, like what? Yeah. (laughs) And plus back then before all the kooky, you know, the album cover with the zipper on the fly, the jeans and all that stuff. Nobody had, I mean, this is pretty cuckoo. I wonder what was on the back. Um, <laughs> on the back of the yeah. LP, yeah, I think it's here. Is it? Do they show it? I don't think no.
1: so. It was plain black.
0: I don't remember. That's a good question. So, um, yeah. Sadly, I don't own that album. I
1: don't either. God,
0: stupid. <laughs> <laughs> going to jive time tomorrow. We're dumb. I'm going to jail. I'm going to party jail. Party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. X in Search of Space was a statement of intent. Everybody freaks out about his design. Oh, and it came with a booklet. So not only that, so there's also a whole, like, graphic novel, pretty much, that comes with it. And this is, let me describe from the um, Reasons to be Cheerful book. Barney and Bob Calvert were together responsible for the booklet issued with X in Search of Space. The album is all about a two dimensional trip in a spaceship, although it focuses on earthbound issues, particularly ecology. With the rocket ship visiting Earth in 1985 to find a wasteland of concrete and iron, not that far off. Yeah. Uh, the booklet is the Spaceship Captain's Log.
1: Whoa.
0: So the the spaceship story... So the story is in the music. The log is the booklet. The packaging is the eagle. Or the... Sorry, the hawk. <laughs> <laughs> the space hawk. Uh, okay, so Bob Calvert came up with the proposal for the two-dimensional trip. And then he wrote some of the album lyrics while Barney introduced the idea of the spaceship. So the music... And so I've never heard of music being created after the design.
1: I don't think I have either. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So
0: Barney conceptualized
2: the album, the
0: album of, of its entirety, and so Bob and with Bob Calvert, the lyric writer, yeah, amazing lyrics, um, just perfect. And
1: then they wrote an album around all that.
0: Wrote an album around the concept. Wow. Uh, And then Calvert wrote the words for The Log, and Barney designed an illustrated booklet, and it's what gave the band their direction. And this is from Nick Turner, Hmm. the bandmate, who's pretty much admitting that that's what shaped the record. It's crazy. That's
1: awesome. (laughs) That is really crazy.
0: Is there any other... Who else could be like, I mean, he must have been like a guru figure yeah. to them. Like, he had a vision, man. He was on a vision quest. Um, so, The only Liquid thing Lynn, I can
1: think of um, that's like even close is maybe Ziggy? Like yeah. Bowie and Ziggy?
0: Oh, yeah, sure.
1: The same era, too. Uh-huh. And City, but it's I not can see that. quite to the. I mean. This is way deeper.
0: Deeper, and also because the stage shows were also involved Yeah, in that. Yeah,
1: Bowie's stage shows were super boring back then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let me get into the Lemmy part, because it's pretty funny. Uh, so Dave Anderson had left the band, because he kept getting in a fight with the keyboardist, and his last name was Dick Mick. <laughs> Real mature. <laughs> uh, so, Can you edit me out giggling, please? <laughs> nope, I'm playing it for your kids. Uh, so everyone in the band was on speed, pretty mm-hmm. much. And there were fights, as will happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone's on drugs and acid and, you know, tensions are high and, and you're touring. Mm-hmm. and um,
1: So much time together in little like, tiny spaces.
0: Exactly. And there's different personalities, mm-hmm. egos, mm-hmm. confined spaces. and There's a lot of them. Yeah, there were. But there were also the peacekeepers. Like, Nick Turner was like the Mr. Rogers of Hawkwind. (laughs) He was like, peace and love, everybody. He pretty much sounded like he didn't really get in fights with people. Hmm. Um, There may be disagreements. But anyway, so there were physical fights, though. Oh. Yeah, so Dave Anderson got in fights with that keyboardist, and... The keyboardist had this friend that was always hanging around, and that was Ian Kilmister, a.k.a. Lemmy. Okay, huh. so did you know where Lemmy's name came from? No. <laughs> okay.
1: Kilmister? Because. Or Lemmy.
0: Uh, So after Dave Anderson left, his bass guitar was picked up by a good friend of Dick Mc, known as Ian Kilmister, known as Lemmy due to his familiar desperate cry of, let me a quid till Friday. <laughs> what? So this whole time his name is Lend Me?
1: Lend Me. <laughs> lend Me let five me, bucks.
0: <laughs> lend Me a quid. Oh my God, I love it. He's been Lend Me this whole time.
1: So I think somebody in Rush has a nickname like that too. <laughs> what are the dude's names in uh,
0: Rush? Uh, yeah, that, Getty Lee. Getty. His is name is Getty? Gary,
1: but he's what, Canadian. It? It's like a Canadian accent, Getty. Oh,
0: his name's Gary. Yeah. What?
1: But it's Canadian accent. But to, do to people Getty?
0: Spell it Getty? I don't know. Ugh.
1: Let me five bucks and I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let me. Let me a Getty. Let oh, me a Getty. My God, spaghetti. <laughs> I wish I could forgetty. Uh,
1: so this whole time he's let me, let me,
0: okay. So this is a funny, um, quote. So he goes along to this gig that, um, so apparently Dave Anderson didn't like to play the free shows. I don't, um, I don't either, Dave, (laughs) (laughs) but they were sort of all artists and they like to do these. And, and I'm not talking about shows where they weren't getting paid. Yeah. I'm talking about like where they do pop-up shows. Uh-huh. Like happenings. You uh, know, where they'd gotcha. go to the park and just like spontaneously freak people out. Yeah. With their music. So Dave didn't do those. So um, uh, there was one show that they were going to play on the back of a lorry, which was one of those <laughs> mm-hmm. big trucks. Mm-hmm. And Dave Anderson didn't show up because he didn't do the free ones. And this is, Lemmy says, uh, he did the ones he got paid for another accountant in guitarist clothing <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like a newscaster yeah <laughs> uh, but like an idiot he left his guitar in the gear truck like please steal my gig
1: <laughs> So he did so somebody did
0: So they Dave got forced out Lemmy mm. got in. Lemmy says Dave wasn't playing the free gigs anyway and then also there's a bunch of funny quotes about how Lemmy didn't like the Grateful Dead. Uh, they played this.
1: I don't either, me
0: <laughs> <laughs> They played the Bickershaw Festival in 1972. And some people playing were like Dr. John, Captain Beefheart, The Kinks, mm-hmm. Cheech and Chong, Grateful Dead, and Country Joe. And Lenny was especially disappointed because he was excited to see the Grateful Dead. He'd heard a lot of great things. Uh... And he said, uh, he, thought, he said, I thought their records were boring, but I was hoping that live they would be different. <laughs> uh, i stood there for an hour and they were fucking tedious and noodling <laughs> and i thought these guys were fucking garbage mm. every time i make him a newscaster because i'm not gonna try to do the scottish lemmy accent yeah. too hard no um so nick turner talks about and nick turner loves him they were soulmates and he talks about how barney was more than a designer and his influence influence extended into costumes lights effects film choreography concepts and even titles so he wasn't a writer but he contributed some Mm -hmm. title ideas and he said it was very mixed media it was like a rock opera but a bit nebulous as well it was evocative of many things it's actually about somebody going further than the moon and achieving nirvana or total enlightenment it was really weird and influential. We were reading books like The Psychedelic Experience Manual by Timothy Leary and The Doors of Perception by Huxley. Here's the thing. So there was an album called Pythagorean Music of the Spheres by William Wilde Zeitler. And um, it's a collection of 12 pieces of music inspired by the Pythagorean concept of the universe. So it's like an overarching concept of existence. So Whoa. Um, the positioning of the planets in the solar system is similar to the notes in the western scale. They were really into that. The space between them is similar to the space between the notes. Um, the, uh, um, the notes in an octave between the third and fourth notes and the seventh and eighth. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the space ritual um, album was based on a large degree on the theories Um of the Pythagorean music of the spheres.
1: I'm going to look it up.
0: Please do. And then um, for that reason, that's why Barney had worked out where every member of the band should stand on stage to be in astrological alignment. And it didn't matter that the audience might not pick up on it. The important thing that was that they were aligned.
1: I like that solar system idea. And the scales and the distances, that is trippy.
0: Yeah. It's pretty trippy. Yeah. So Nick Turner says he wished he had been in the audience, and that the whole thing was a fantasy. It wasn't only science fiction; it was metaphysical as well, verging on sword and sorcery madness. <laughs>
1: so he wishes he could madness. see his own. He wanted to see his own band.
0: He want he wished he could have been in the audience to see his own band.
1: He needed Barney Bubbles to invent YouTube. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He wanted to experience it in more than yeah, one place, yeah. That is sorcery, uh-huh. uh huh. Dave Brock said he agreed. Um, he says we play extraterrestrial music in which we try to get the audience involved, and that participation creates energy, and through that energy, it's possible to make experiments. And uh, he goes on and on about this different kinds of sound developments and different points. Um, How music can make you feel. And Barney Bubbles had a theory that at a certain volume, the band could generate enough energy for the stage to lift off and take them into space. Yes. I think (laughs) that's a little bit uh, Hero's Journey, first of all. Yeah. Joseph Campbell. Also, a lot of his drawings are about people being like, whoa, I'm in space. Like, I'm lifted up. Ethereal. I just want to read a little bit about what Nick Turner... He talks about his motivation for joining the band and said that... Um, what did that Nick Turner play? Sorry to interrupt. The saxophone. And uh. he actually, um, he got kicked out twice <laughs> because he kept playing over people's vocals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Typical <laughs> Lemmy saxophone. Got,
0: Lemmy would get so pissed. Um, but then also, Lemmy got kicked out uh-huh. um, in the end, he was like stumbling into the drum kit and like unplugging people and Lemmy was. Oh yeah, and like you know being Lemmy. Yeah. Um, and then started a band Motorhead, which means I didn't know that before I started doing this research. It means a speed freak.
1: Oh, it does. Mm-hmm. Huh.
0: Like motor mouth, but motorhead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know what show Motorhead was on? What? Young ones. Well, young
0: ones! I did it! I know, I because I love that episode. Wasn't yeah. that the sick episode?
1: Where I... everyone's sick? Possib- I get them all mixed up. I never remember which one's which.
0: So your family... Mm. I love... Okay, so we've, we've sorry. We've done it
1: twice, actually.
0: Okay, but this one was so good. Your hair looked like... <laughs> okay, so his whole family, you have... It's you and Karen. Yep. Viv and Rube two daughters, eight and ten now. And did it all start because her name's Vivian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one year they stick stars on her forehead. She was six months old.
2: (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) It was her first Halloween. She had no say in what she could wear. (laughs) And I can't remember who came up with the idea. It might have been because at one point I thought it would have been funny to my name's Brian with a Y. Okay. And then when we were thought of Vivian. I was like, hey, Karen, let's spell it V-Y-V-Y-A-N. Uh-huh. And she was like, that's how Vivian Bastard spells it. <laughs> we can't name her that. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, so she can. got V-I-V-I-A-N. Yeah. But then six months later, we had her Halloween costume. She was oh, a baby Vivian Bastard. She
0: has to be. Yeah. And I love the addition of Mike
1: yeah, so fast forward ten years. Right. Somebody at a dinner joking. We were talking about Halloween, and somebody <laughs> said, "Let's be the young ones again." And we were like, "Now we have Mike." Yeah. And Mike. Ruby's the shortest, so she had to be Mike. Ugh. And Karen re- repry and I reprised our roles as Rick and And Karen's Neil.
0: face in that photo you posted on Instagram <laughs> as Rick. Was so perfect. And
1: Viv's Vivian was so perfect.
0: Vivian was perfect. It yeah. was the whole thing, and you were creepy, Neil.
1: Lentils.
0: <laughs> Lentils. Guys,
1: uh, this is really heavy. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know who my favorite character oh is from God. The Young Ones?
0: I love Alexi Sale. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Oh, All love the it. the okay. family. Who is the the warlock? Hair. Warlock, who's Warlock?
1: It's one of Neil's friend, hippie friends. <gasps> the guy with like the.
0: How cr- many episodes is he in?
1: Eh, he makes appearances here and okay. there. But I've seen, seen more like than four one. of
0: them over and over, and there's ones that I haven't oh, seen yeah. very much.
1: He's he's in the one where Neil becomes a cop. He goes to bust up a party and it's oh. Warlock and all of Neil's friends. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen that one.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, we were poor, so we would record on MTV episode and then we would take that VHS and watch, watch it, it over so and over many times. and it was that and remote control mm-hmm. came on right after mm-hmm. it. Or I can't remember the order, but
1: I saw it in the dorms. Karen and her roommate Heather <laughs> had it on VHS. That was the first time I saw it. Oh
0: my god. Yeah. So yeah. I love, and so what was the hamster's name again?
1: Special Patrol Group, SPG.
0: SPG, that's
1: right. Have you seen the one where where it eats all the, is it the first one ever where it eats all the lentils?
0: Oh, yes. And then like
1: farts and flies around the
2: room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love the one where Neil gets buried in the garden, (laughs) where Rick hits him on the head with the shovel and the garden gnome is like, you just killed a hippie. Guys, so what did you guys do on Halloween night? Did you go trick or treating?
1: Um, we the girls went with their friends first year <laughs> and we stayed How at home. How did they
0: explain themselves to ten year olds?
1: Uh, Ruby a... Ruby changed into something else. Oh, I see. So she hers was photo ops only. Oh that's we she was going great. to Yeah, she I can't remember what she changed into. That was the compromise. You can't we be
0: like, Mike without the rest without of the young rest ones. of ones. You're yeah. just a used car salesman. Yeah.
1: She was like a yuppie. <laughs> Viv stayed Vivian, and she was so she was just like a punk rocker trick or treating. That's cute. A couple people got it, got it, and loved it though. See,
0: that's the thing with obscure costumes. Yeah, not everyone's gonna get it, but the ones that do—that's your best friend for the rest of your life. Yeah,
1: that's like, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) They Motorhead did play on the young ones. Mm -hmm. His microphone was so high in the air, and like, yeah. I just remember uh, thinking that was a great performance, though. It was Ooh, cool.
1: Yeah, it ripped.
0: So, anyway, so back to...
1: <laughs> that was a major sidetrack. That was
0: a major sidetrack, but that's Lemmy. okay. Um, so, Lemmy and Nick Turner had opposing uh, opinions about the artwork for the album Warrior on the Edge of Time. Um. And um, actually, Lemmy wanted his friend to do the art. So Barney Bubbles got kicked off that album. And this is kind of when Barney starts to feel like he's getting rejected a little bit. And Warrior on the Edge of Time reached the UK chart position of 13 without his artwork on it. His artwork was on the inside insert, but not on the cover. Um,
1: It was like the first time he'd been rejected then.
0: I think well, kind of. I think so. I yeah, I don't know for sure, but and he um, kind of
1: probably felt really emotionally invested in this situation. Yeah, because it's his band, his vision. Much. Yeah,
0: and uh, but uh, shortly after that, Lemmy was busted, and then he was sacked from Hawkwind. Mm. Um, he, they kept having him back though. It wasn't like back and forth. Yeah, he would come back to do recordings or special festivals or whatever. Mm. Like they would keep bringing him back. Um, anyway, so. Barney had a kid. His name's Aten, Aten, A T His name is spelled A-T-E-N, hmm. and I think in the the BBC recording that I listened to, they said Aten. Um, and so her name was Gianna Skinner, and it was his former partner. And when they when they first got together, she was eighteen, he was twenty six, and then. Um, they lived together at the Portobello road, kind of like commune Mm -hmm. and it was all love and peace and everything was great. And they had a kid, Um, but there was a lot of separation. So, but also she says, she remembers him saying there's going to be a band practicing in the basement. And she was very, she was a lot younger than them. Mm -hmm. So she would sneak down and listen to them and, They were older and she felt out of her depth, but, um, she was like very excited about Hawkwind being Uh. there. Um, so Atten was born in 1972 and, um, everything was wonderful. They decided to live in Devon and, but Barney was always working in London. So they were down in the middle of nowhere. Um, and Barney was in the city working and they never really got to see each other Hmm. Um, but he was working really hard. She said like, Hey, if you have no intention of coming back here, we're just going to come back to London. So they did, but so they still didn't see each other. So she eventually met and married another man. Barney was very upset about it, but he got over it, um, over time and he actually ended up having other girlfriends and uh so then gianna and the child moved to ireland Uh, so bubbles left hawkwind around the same time as nick turner apparently in solidarity with because he got kicked out nick turner got kicked out um but nick and barney kept doing commission work together Mm -hmm. so nick had his solo career and barney would do designs for him Kind of goes into here about how he was responsible for a Stiff Records logo, bunch of record label logos, and then um, another notable project he did, which was unusual, was for Ian Dury and the Blockheads' Do-It-Yourself LP, um, which was like a billion kinds of wallpaper. It's very English. Yeah. Have you seen this? Uh-uh. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. I can't remember exactly how many wallpapers there were but quite a few. So it became kind of like all
1: different LPs or ads or
0: It's just the same record with different covers. Okay. So with them? So there were thirty four total. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Interesting stuff. Even after Hawkwind he was still experimenting. Yeah. Wanted to do different things. Very conceptual. Again, a lot of interviews with people that knew him saying that um, Pauline Williams was a colleague of his at Stiff Records and she says he really embraced the punk philosophy. He was into nihilism and existentialism, so she knew him after his hippie Mm -hmm. phase. Mm -hmm. Um, He started to get more and more dark. Mm -hmm. Chris Morton of Stiff Records, the art director there, added he was um, Stiff was like a new start for him and he could now like kind of begin anew.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Nick Turner says Barney did things out of love. They were all done with heart. And uh, he was flattered that Barney would continue working with him after um, their time together at Hawkwind. Barney um, had gone to Australia, so he took a trip to Australia. He got really depressed there. He'd done what they call as a walkabout. Oh, yeah. Um, Go and, out
1: in the... the middle of nowhere god can you imagine no
0: <laughs> that's dangerous for yeah. someone with depression yeah oh okay so he got back he was already depressed when he got back then nick invites him to come well why don't you come hang out with us because by by then nick was in the again for okay. the second time and he invited barney to come hang out and actually help produce their new album or their new ep or something mm-hmm. and so barney called up to get Actually, to ask for help with the fare to get there, um, it was something like that or to, to ask something specific about getting there. And um, Dave Brock answered the phone and was like, what? Well, we don't know anything about you coming. Ooh. And pretty much set him off on yeah. a downward spiral. And Dave was like, I wouldn't have said we don't want you here, but I probably was like, What? <laughs> mm. And didn't think anything of yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but according to Barney's girlfriend, Dave said something like, "We don't want you here. We don't. We don't want you to do that. We don't want you involved in it." Ey. Which is harsh. Yeah. Um, and then Dave Brock says he doesn't remember it. But then he also says, "Yeah, Nick was always inviting people. Mm. Like he was the. There were always hangers on because Nick was always like the nice hippie guy who was like." Yeah, you guys can come stay with us, you know, and then there's all these weirdos. Come on tour with us.
1: Yeah, you (laughs) can ride along with us in the bus. Right. Oh, you
0: need to get to the city. We're going there. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you've got 12. Warlock and Neil. (laughs) You've got got some crusty jugglers aboard your your spaceship. Um, So from the book, so they released that EP, and then right then they found out that Barney Bubbles had died by suicide on November 14th. I'm not really going to go into the details of how he died. Um, It's easily, you can easily find that. Mm -hmm. But his assistant found him. I guess he said that um, she had been doling out. So he had gone to the doctor and gotten medication. And she was keeping his pills at her house up the road. And would give him the pills for the day. She saw him every day and then would go back home and she didn't want to leave him with all the pills Mm -hmm. because he was in a pretty bad way. That's why he went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. So actually he had gotten a hold of something though. Mm -hmm. He took pills. He also used a bag on his head. Mm -hmm. There's other stuff I'm not going to talk about, but um, um, people kind of talked about how it was accumulation of a lot of things. Um, He also had problems with taxes Mm-hmm. He wasn't good at money. He was very busy, had a lot of work. He'd become like the it person yeah. for design. I mean, even though More he than was, once. he felt like he was on the decline, but hope, I don't think anyone else did. Mm-mm. Um, you Not know,
1: based off of how many records he was still doing. Oh in my the God. I mean, in the early 80s, yeah. All of the things he designed. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's in everyone's living room basically <clears> without <throat> them even knowing it. Like, he's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. He is sort of immortal. Through his design. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he did have money problems and he, uh, you know, he just had that disease too. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, that trip to Australia seemed to really put a damper on his mind. Mm-hmm. But he felt his time in the music business was coming to an end in 1981 when he talked to The Face about um, the new young designer saying, oh, they're so creative, these kids um, that do the record sleeves now. It makes me feel so staid and boring. I think I've got to get out. It's time for me to go. Hmm. But I don't think he was talking about life necessarily at that point. I think he felt that maybe the music design was should be handed off Mm -hmm. but he was doing so many other types of design
1: he would have thrived with videos
0: oh my god he He did do videos it was trippy but the technology wasn't quite good Mm. enough and it wasn't it wasn't analog either it was like that weird uh awkward stage in the early 80s it was like you know So he did do videos. He did do choreography. And I think at one point he wanted to do only videos and then kind of backed off of it because it just wasn't as good as his other work. Mm -hmm. There is an incident, though, before his death where he had a really horrible. um, He attacked. Well, he was attacking his girlfriend. His girlfriend called Nick Turner. Nick Turner came over and then. Barney, indeed, did have a knife.
2: Whoa.
0: He threatened him with a knife, and um, Nick Turner said, put the knife down, and basically, and then there's another point where he shows up at Nick's house with a bunch of cuts all over his face. Mm. Like, they weren't deep cuts, Mm -hmm. but there were, like, but his face was covered in cuts. You know, so it was just a lot of incidents. Um, He was,
1: yeah, he went downhill.
0: Anyway, I'm trying to end this on a (laughs) solid note here. Um,
1: I mean, it's a, it's sad when, I mean, from an outside perspective, you think he would be so successful and so happy and he did so many amazing things, right? but he was still, he had demons. Yeah. He was, you know, he was so unhappy and that's so sad that I hope that he recognized that he did make beautiful art that a lot of people appreciated and loved.
0: And it inspired so, so many, many designers to yeah. like become designers to, you know, feel like, okay, well, I don't do the stodgy typography thing, yeah. but I can do this. This is what I can do. And
1: packaging. I mean.
0: Yeah. It's right.
1: insane how many things that he touched that have become so, I don't know if I want to say iconic, but prevalent
0: yeah or influential ubiquitous that's the word i'm looking for yeah influential too then um he lost all of his money also another thing that really bothered him was that he did get screwed over so much yeah and um that's the thing like you know i think designers get taken for granted a little bit if you want if you need design, design is so important like even yeah. if you can only afford to trade something, always offer something because
1: yeah, everybody's worth work is worth something and right. time is worth something, especially artists.
0: Right. And it it can destroy you if that's your work yeah. and that's what you've gone into debt to go to school for <laughs> and then people are like not understanding how important it is right. to And it's important to them. You know, it should be. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Having leapfrogged with ease as trailblazing enhancer of visual identity of space rock, pub rock, and punk rock by the late 70s, Bubbles was investigating private interest in concrete poetry, expressionist cinema, data, Mm -hmm. neoconstructivism, Mm -hmm. and the Bauhaus, Mm -hmm. and serving up the resultant potpourri to the mass audience via million sellers such as Ian Dury. And the blockheads smash single hit me with your rhythm stick, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, all the copies of New Musical Express sold oh, every week. Yeah, too. so with, no, lo-
1: with the logo.
0: Yeah. So. Anyway, geez, that was a lot, and it's just scratched the surface. Yeah, and didn't I even also, touch
1: the new wave punk rock. No,
0: there. I mean, there's going to be many, probably Barney yeah. Bubbles episodes. Um, as long as I do this, probably always do something about Barney here and there. Um, but yeah, that was heavy. Yeah. (laughs) Heavy. (laughs) Um. Was that Neil? Yeah, it was (laughs) trying. Yeah, you do it, you do it. Uh,
1: Heavy. (laughs) That wasn't very good because I'm trying to laugh. I'm laughing at the same time.
0: But yeah, I mean, his work is just, uh, it's important and, um, We'll get, we'll get into the other stuff later. Uh, what do I want to say? I want to say thank you for listening. And go out, look at uh, Barney Bubble's work.
1: Yeah. You've probably seen it and you don't even realize it.
0: You probably own his records.
1: I didn't know how many things that I owned of his or have seen of his until it's you told amazing. me his name. Yeah,
0: Check out this book by Paul Gorman, uh, Reasons to be Cheerful
1: has a big pink hand on the cover. It's awesome. That's
0: right. It was from a Nick Lowe single. Mm. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Stiff Records or Hawkwind, look it up. Uh, ride your bike. <laughs> uh, thanks everybody. Thanks, Eric. Hey, thanks, Brian.
1: <laughs> thanks for having me. This was super fun.
0: Thanks everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs>